Good morning, everyone. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, Happy New Year. It's great. This is the first time I've had a chance to say hello from the front. So hello, everyone. It's nice to see, see everyone. I hope you've had a super uh, Christmas and looking forward to a new year, what God's got uh, in plan for us. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series today looking at origins, looking at the book of Genesis, And what we're going to be doing is just looking at some key themes in the first few chapters, one, two, and three of Genesis, and and key themes that really you find, we just see them recurring throughout Scripture, and they're very relevant in our day-to-day. And so we're going to be looking at these key themes. Last week, Al looked at creation, um, and this week we're looking at mankind, humanity, and just looking at the key themes. Genesis literally means beginnings. It means origins. So we're kind of tracing the origins stories, uh, origins of some of the key themes. Um, and we're aware that there might be some questions that come up. We're dealing with some stuff that perhaps gets you thinking. Perhaps you've read Genesis 1 and you got confused about it. You're thinking, how does this make sense? You speak to people at work who are like... Mm. That six day, seven day creation doesn't seem to make sense, or whatever it is about male and female, we're aware that questions can come up, and we really want to be able to engage with those questions. Now, as we go through the series, we're actually we're trying to look at what the original author is saying, and perhaps the original author wasn't quite as concerned about the things that we are today, uh, 2000 into 2023 in Gothenburg, um, but we want to engage with those questions. And so if you have a question, uh, it, we've got an email address, um, hey at gfg.church, you come up behind me. Um, do, do, do send the questions in there, and we, we'll, we'll find some sort of way to engage with those questions. A really good way is that small group as well. So last week, on Tuesday, I'm part of Maggie and Linus's wonderful small group, and uh, we had a conversation about, yeah, what Al spoke about, and it was real helpful just to talk about, is it 24 hours? What's going on there? So get involved with the small group, but don't let those questions just go unanswered if what I say today doesn't answer the questions. Let's have opportunity to talk, to talk about them. In Psalm 8, King David says this, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And last week, we saw Al so wonderfully just talk to us about the glory of God in creation. And we saw this God who is eternal. We saw this God who is good, this author of creation. And, and we, kind of, we can join in with David, with King David, and we can say, how majestic is your name when we look at the heavens King David continues in Psalm 8, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? What are human beings that you care for them? Now, Maybe you've kind of got it all sorted, and praise God, wonderful. I haven't, and if I'm honest, I don't even know if I should be saying this as a church leader, but sometimes I get a little bit annoyed by people. I find them frustrating, okay? When I walk into Ica and someone doesn't hold the door for me, I can get frustrated by that. People can be selfish. They can think about themselves too much and not 
others. They can make a mess and not tidy up after themselves. My kids are a wonderful... Actually, I was going to say that. There's, a, there's no mess at all. Normally, there's fika all over the floor here. Not today. But people can be frustrating. I, you guys have the privilege of, within this church, having my sister, who knew me from birth to 18, and then my wife, who has known me from 19 to 36. So you can, you can ask, ask them, and you'll find that I am, can be, surprise, surprise, quite annoying. So just a bit of a shock horror, a bit of a revelation there for you. But people can be frustrating. I remember watching The Matrix years ago, the original one, the only one that I think is any good. And Agent Smith says to Morpheus, this, the baddie, basically describes humans. And he says, you're not, you're not mammals, humans. Mammals, they, they adapt to the environment. He said, you're not mammals, you're a virus. Humans kind of destroy the environment that they are in. And to be fair, I think he's got a little bit of a point. Humans often destroy the environment. We're a little bit like virus, perhaps, like Agent Smith said. When David was writing this psalm, Psalm 8, I, I imagine him on a hillside, kind of like gazing into like an unpolluted night sky. And you know those unpolluted night skies where it's dark, beautiful stars. And I imagine him looking there at the vastness of the stars and the moon. And he, he would have been very aware of the frustrations of humanity, of the weakness of the human flesh. And so he poses this great question, looking at the stars, looking at all that God has made. What's mankind all about? Really? Like, why do you bother with mankind? Why do you care for mankind? And that's the topic of today. That's what we're going to be looking at. What's mankind all about. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them to Genesis chapter 1, which is wonderful. First book of the Bible, nice and easy to find. There's no Jonah, which is really lovely. That's why we did the series, so it's easy to find. It's not why we did the series. Genesis 1, and we're going to read from verse 26, if you found it. I think my version is the NIV. Yes. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image. Let God, then God said, let us. And let's just notice here that this is the first day, the first act of creation where God has some sort of communication. Let us. So this isn't just God saying, and God said, let us. And Al spoke about in the very first few verses of Genesis 1 how we saw this Trinitarian Father, Son, and Holy Spirit moment, again we see the Godhead communicating within itself. Let us, and in fact the Reformers, this is where they started their doctrine of the Trinity. They found it here and they started to trace it through Scripture and going into the New Testament. But they found it here how God isn't just one, although he is, but he's three in one. Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we have the final day of creation. As, as the creation uh, begins to reach its climax, the Godhead speaks and says, let us 
make mankind. And the purpose of creation is revealed at this point. Al hinted to it last week. We were left on a cliffhanger. What's the purpose of all this creation? The purpose of creation is revealed at this point. Mankind. The purpose of creation is for God to make a family home, if you like. And Genesis 1, 26, 1, 27 is moving in day. As God creates stars and oceans and duck-billed platypus, he had in mind us. He had in mind us when he created the stars and the sky. And he had our enjoyment in mind. In fact, as I was just finishing off my notes this morning, Alfred, my six-year-old, sat down with my dog, my eight-year-old dog, the firstborn. And, uh, and it was lovely. They were cuddling, which doesn't actually happen too often. But it's really nice. I saw Freddie enjoying God's creation. It was a really nice, nice moment. I thought, I'll, I'll put that in. But Harvey, you'll be pleased to know, the dog, is not the pinnacle of creation. Mankind, we are. We are made uniquely in the image of God. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, the word image in Hebrew is the word selem. It means image. It means idol. What it is is this. It's the visible representation of an invisible reality. So you would find a selem in many ancient temples where they would worship different gods, and they would have the invisible God would be made visible by the idol, by this selim, this, this image. And what it would do, it would show people who are worshipping that God what their God looks like. And we meet, as we see, as we heard last week, that the entire cosmos, all of creation, it's, it's what God has made. It's the temple of God. And what God says as he finishes his temple is he puts his selim into his temple. He puts us on earth to make visible the invisible. Being the image of God means that we are God's representatives. That's what it means. We are his image. We look like God. We are to be people, or we are people who represent God. And so we read this second commandment as God says to Moses, don't make idols. The reason he says that is because he has already made idols. He has already made images of himself. And that's you and I. We are the image of God. It's who we are. It's a powerful reality, a powerful truth. I was driving, again, um, Alfred to school, and, and the moon was just looking beautiful. It was full. It was very visible. And they were like, every, everywhere we turned, they kept on saying, why, why is the moon following us? And I was like, All right, remember back to science lessons. Rubbish. Can't remember science lessons. Trying to, but like, it's, a, it's big. It's far away. We're kind of not going to be able to get around the moon. And then we started speaking about, oh, we're in space, and we're kind of like on this big ball of rock, and it's traveling through space super fast, and it's spinning super fast. And they're like, how are we standing still when it's spinning? I'm like, oh. too many questions. <laughs> Should have listened more in science. Creation is incredible. It's mind-blowing. Just I don't want to lose you at all, but just think, we are right now on a rock traveling through space, right as I speak. It's crazy. Okay, Stay with me, please. 
it, but it is mind-blowing. It's crazy. It's amazing. Just looking at the stars at night, like King David, wow. But it's not the pinnacle of creation. You are. We are. That is the pinnacle of creation. We are the second most sacred thing in all of the universe behind God. Isn't that an incredible truth? That's amazing. That God, in all his power and almightiness and goodness and eternalness, made us in his image to look like him, to be his representative. He placed us in his temple. I mean, what do you do with that? It's incredible truth. What do you do with that? I want to suggest a few practical implications. The first thing is this. It means that, and this is arguably the point of the entire passage, that as God's image bearers, we are made to rule and reign over creation. We are made to rule and reign. We are made in his image. We look like him, therefore we rule and reign like him. That's who we are. It's what we're called to do. Now, I could really get excited and talk about this and go away. However, this is its own subject next Sunday. So again, I'm going to leave, leave another cliffhanger. Come back next Sunday. We're going to be hearing about ruling and reigning. We're going to hear about stewardship, what God has called us to be. We are called kings and queens in this creation. It's amazing. And come back next week. You'll hear a lot more about that. Second thing it means is that mankind are created equal. The statement that human beings are made in the likeness of God must form a foundation for the way we look at people. It must do. Everyone is of equal value. Whatever family you are born into, whatever language you speak, whatever nation you are from, whatever knowledge you have, whatever money, whatever, everyone is created equal because we're all created in the image of God. Now, what culture says is that culture says you receive value from who you are, what you do, the job you have, the car that you drive, the, the friends that you know, the, the skill that you have, the strength that you have. The creation story says this, you receive value because you are an image bearer, that you bear the image of God, and that is where you receive your value. So why do we care for the poor, the fatherless, the widows, the unborn child? Because each one of those carries the imprint of the creator God. They are made in his image and therefore deserving of the utmost respect. Pope Francis, I wouldn't often quote Pope Pope Francis, but he says this, even the weakest and most vulnerable, the sick, the old, the unborn, and the poor are masterpieces of God's creation. They're made in his image, and they deserve the utmost reverence and respect. Even the weakest, most vulnerable, the sick, the old, the unborn, are masterpieces. So practically, what does this mean for us? Well, first of all, I'm talking to you. 
you are the image of God. And it's so helpful uh, hearing all the different prophetic stuff um, and encouragements that came this morning during worship about who God says you are. Friends, let's hear what God is saying to us this morning. Let us have humble and open hearts to hear what God is saying to you right now. He's saying you are loved. He's, you are the image of God. Hebrews 4, 12, I believe, says that Scripture is sharp. It's alive. It's active. As I was praying this morning, just thinking about what I'm going to be sharing, you know, it could be a little bit controversial potentially. I just was reminded of the privilege of being able to open the Bible and think, no, actually, this is God's word for us today. And coming here and hearing Avels and Nina and hearing some prayers about actually, basically, us being, you know, in the image of God, it's like, wow, God is speaking. Scripture is active. And so let's, let's respond. And we're going to get a chance to physically respond in a bit. So I'll prepare you for that now. But let's respond to what God is saying. He's saying you are made in the image of God. It's incredibly powerful. Hear that. You are a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Now we all carry with us hurt. We all carry with us like regrets. Oh, should have done that when I was 15 years old. Should have done that when I was seven, you know, seven, whatever. We all carry regrets. We all carry um, the reality of pain. Perhaps things that we hope for in the future that just don't seem like they're going anywhere. We all carry that stuff with us. We all do. Let's hear what God is saying to us this morning. Let, let, let us let these words sink in right now. You're a masterpiece. I'm just going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I just so thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to do anything. Lord God, we don't need to achieve any special test. Um, we don't need to read the Bible a certain amount of times, controversially, pray a certain amount of times, even come to a prayer meeting. Lord Jesus, we have been made by you, and we are your image bearers. Lord, that, that is amazing. We are your masterpiece. And Lord, I just pray for us, those in this room, and I think it's probably all of us who have got regrets in our past, got frustrations, perhaps living with frustrations right now, even this morning, coming, not even really wanting to come, just dragging ourselves here. Lord, I thank you that you say this to us this morning, masterpiece, that you say image of God. Lord, I, I just pray will you help us know that. Holy Spirit, will you just, will you show us the love of the Father? Come, Lord Jesus. Let those words sink in, masterpiece. Don't get your worth from what people say you are, what people have said to you in the past. Don't get your worth from what people are going to say to you, perhaps in the future. Words are fragile. You can't build anything of security and stability on them. It will break down. Build your worth. Build your value. Build your hopes on this, being an image bearer. And it's incredibly freeing. Because once we know who we are, we get to be who God has made us to be. And friends, we're all different. And that's wonderful. In fact, it's very biblical <laughs> that we are all different because all of us display the manifold wisdom of God. We all display something specific about who God is. And so be yourself. Be who God has made you to be. Don't worry about what other people think you should be, like fitting in this box. Don't do it. Be who God has called you to be. It's incredibly freeing.
God has created you and he calls you this and he says this to you right now. Masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. The second thing within equality is that we learn to treat people with the respect that God has given them. We treat people differently. I remember uh, when I first started teaching here, so I was a teacher in the UK, but when I first started teaching here, I lost my temper with a kid, and I can't remember what I said, but I said something that was not super helpful, and straight away afterwards, I remember thinking two things. I remember thinking, would I have said that to my child, and would I be happy if someone else, another teacher, said that to my child? And the answer was no on both of those, both of those things. It changed the way that I look at the kids that I teach when I thought, I'm teaching Alfred, or I'm teaching Oscar, or I'm teaching Caleb. Humans, we, mankind, man and female, are image bearers. We're made in God's image. And that's got to change the way we look at people. We don't look at people with what they can give us. We don't look at people with what they can't give us and give them value on those metrics, on those things. We look at people as God's image, as Selim, as the ones who God has put his image in. And that is where they get their value. It changes the way we think about people completely. So even just as you go from this place soon, I'm just joking with Gary actually, but this is a complete, this is a true reality. As you go from this place, you will come across image bearers everywhere. They're not just frustrations. They're not just Agent Smith viruses. They're not annoying, although they can be, (laughs) hear me. But those people, I am an image bearer. They are image bearers, which means we treat them with respect. We love. It also means that there's equality between the sexes, male and female. And this was extremely radical at the time, that God made male and female equal. And it probably is still in some parts of the world. Let us see what God says in the garden, in the beginning, in the origins. He says this. Scripture is emphatic on it, absolutely emphatic. Male and female, equally made in the image of God. Male makes up the image of God, female makes up the image of God, male and female together make up the image of God. There is an equality. It's so important that we hear this. This was radical in those times, and in a different way, it's radical today. Because culture, in our culture, in Swedish culture, there is a big conversation at the moment about gender. Can you choose which gender you want to be? And even within the church, There's conversations about the roles of male and female. It's a big topic within the church leadership, within family. These are big, big topics in the culture, in the church. And as we go back to the garden, what we see in the origins is this, that God creates two genders, male and female, both created equally 
by God. Not one better than the other. Both created. And it's important that we hear this word created. Male didn't choose. Female didn't choose. No, God creates. He creates male and he creates female. Both in the image of God. Both on equal footings. The same. And it's so important. We must, must be clear in this. Difference in gender is part of God's good creation. We must hold on to that. We must, be, we must know that. We must have confidence as believers about that. And in fact, at the end of the day, God kind of sits back and he says, it was very good. He looks at male and female. And it's the first time he says, or the other times, it was good, it was good, it was good. As he looks back on his creation, male and female, it was very good. We must hear this. Now, sin comes into the world, which is a subject, again, that we're going to look at in a few weeks. I'm not going to say too much about it, but it distorts the image of God in us. Order gets replaced by disorder. Desires change. Bodies change. There are real consequences to sin. But as we get called into God's big redemptive story, as we follow people like Abraham and Moses and Ruth and and Israel and even Jesus himself, we get called into this story where we are called to restore the image of God in humanity. We are to be a people who restore the image of God in humanity, even though sin tries to distort it. And the image of God is this, male, female, equal, equal worth. It means we also were made for relationship. So Genesis 2 verse 18 says this, it is not good for man to be alone. And we've heard already a couple of times that God is in community, that God is living in relationship, that he lives in community, male and female are to reflect that. It's not good that man to be alone. Male and female reflect a God who lives in relationship, who lives in community. And I think, from my very unscientific knowledge, that one of the reasons that COVID was so difficult for so many of us is that we weren't able to be with friends and family. We weren't able to live in community. We were kind of on our own quite a lot of the time. And some nations had it a lot worse than we did. But it was difficult. It was tough because we weren't able to be in relationship. We weren't able to see other people because isolation is not the norm. Community, being in relationship, not just husband and wife, but the bigger picture is is part of God's good creation. Community is the creation of God. Why? Because God is a God in community. He's a God in relationship. And so he, he creates male and female to live in relationship. That's why it's so important that we spend time with each other. And in fact, as we, we've looked at Acts, but as we, as we always talk about Acts and look at the early church, what we see is we see a church, and we say this all the time, where, where, they, where they have community Right at the center. That's why we put Fika actually right in the center of our meetings is because we love community. Why do we encourage you to come along to small groups? Why even things like prayer meetings or encourage you to spend time with each other? Why do we do that? It's because 
we're reflecting a God in community, a God in relationship. And so it's not like the brainchild, the early church isn't the brainchild of Paul the extrovert or Peter the extrovert or, you know, it's not just that I like, love spending time with people and encourage you to do that. No, it's because what we do as we meet in community is we reflect a God who is in community. And if I may say so, I think this is one of the challenges of social media. Social media has some good stuff, for sure. Zoom has, is fantastic. Um, we use it for prayer, which is brilliant. I don't think everyone wants to get to someone's house at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's really difficult, right? So it has its benefits. However, social media can very quickly... It can replace community. And we need to be aware of that. So yes, we should use it. Should we use Zoom? Yeah, I think we should, to an extent. But if we start saying that all small groups, all Sundays, everything is on Zoom, everything is on social media, then we're having a problem because we're not reflecting who God is, who is a God of community. And so we live together. And so I want to challenge you perhaps a little bit. If, you, if you're finding you've got more community in social media than you do in the real world, perhaps some things need to change. Be aware of that. If, if that's not you, just be aware of it anyway. God has called us into community, and he says, it is very good. So the original question posed uh, by David in the Psalms, who is mankind that you're mindful of them? We are the image of God. We are the pinnacle of creation. We are called to make visible the invisible. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We're a people who rule and reign. We're a people who are equal in value. We are a people who live in relationship with each other. And, and as God steps back, we read in the last verse of chapter one, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And behold, it was very good. I wonder if, Al, you could come up. I just, as I was preparing uh, this, for this morning, I was just aware of that word, behold. God saw everything that he made, and behold, he saw, he looked, he enjoyed, he admired. Behold, it was very good. And I believe this morning, we're just going to have a bit of time, I believe that God... I believe that God would want us to behold what he has done. I believe that he wants us to reflect on what he has done. And he says this, it was very good. I believe that God wants us to just, it, this, it's just following on from worship. Can I get us to stand up please, is that okay? This is fo it's following on from, from worship. Uh, but just... God right now just wants to do something amongst us. He wants to remind us. He wants us to behold who he sees us as. We so, so easily are hard. I think actually Nina said it. We're hard on ourselves. We think we don't make it. We so easily fall into the lie. Perhaps right now you can think back to moments when people have said, you are not good enough. You're not impressive. You're not like your brother or your sister. You will never amount to anything. Right now, I believe God would just say, behold. Behold. 
look, you are my image bearer. He would say this, and it's very good. Male, female, very good. Just want to encourage you. Just We really want to be humble and open to the Spirit. As I said, that Hebrews 4 scripture, scripture is alive. It helps us. It's active. Just want to encourage you. Just spend a moment now just beholding. Perhaps it helps you to shut your eyes. I like to shut my eyes when I pray. It's just to concentrate. Perhaps you want to open your arms. Just behold what God has done. He has made you an image, an image of him, the creator of the heavens and the, and the stars. Godwin was going to share this, but didn't get time. This, this awesome God makes his home in us. Just incredible. He says, behold, it is good. And so, Lord Jesus, we just, we just want to spend a moment now just beholding. I pray for those who live with past hurts, with past lies, with things like it's not, you're not good enough. Perhaps hopes that haven't been fulfilled. Confusion. Lord, I just pray, will you remind us of who we are? Lord, will you remind us of who we are? That we may express our individuality. That we may express who you made us to be. And so Holy Spirit, we just pray, fall upon us. So reminded of Ephesians 3 this morning. Just... Lord, will we know your love? Holy Spirit, will you show us God's love? Come, Lord. Holy Spirit, just, let's just continue receiving.